Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling, brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast. I'm Graham Wilgos. Brad, yeah. we're saying a huge congratulations to Egan Bernal, winner of the Giro d'Italia, and to Filippo Ganna, um, who won today's stage, mm, the, the, whole, final, yeah. the final time trial into Milan. Um, familiar scenes for the Ineos Grenadiers, familiar scenes mm. for Dave B. Yeah, huge congratulations to the whole squad, really, and Dave himself, because... I think that's his 12th Grand Tour win, um, which is phenomenal, really. When you think, when they set out on this mission to win the Tour de France within five years, they were laughed at in a lot of quarters. And uh, we are 10 years on and they've won 12 Grand Tours. It was quite phenomenal, really. Um, and the way they did it, it was classic Ineos Team Sky. The way they executed yesterday's stage was amazing. And um, Egan Bernal, what a bike rider. He's a better version of himself two years ago, I would say, as a rider. Just to set the scene for us, Brad, you've just finished doing the breakaway. We're on the sofa recording um, in the studio. Um, so there's a few people coming and going. Yeah, everyone's packing up, aren't Packing they? up, yeah, at the end of a grand tour. Yeah. Um, you mentioned yesterday, I mean, that that is something that Ineos wouldn't have done to, no. for Banal as he was, as no. he was waiting. They'd have for... remained focused right to the end um, from uh, the guys packing up the, the, the sort of screens that they put recording off the, 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 um, the finish, the, the, the warm-up area the turbo trainers and everything, and there'll be one hell of a celebration tonight in that squad. Five consecutive time trial wins at the Giro for Filippo Ganna. Your man, your pick, wasn't he? Um, yes. A few technical turns in there on the 30.3-kilometre stage from Sonago, as I said, into, into Milan and the Duomo, and then a long straight line to the finish. For Ganna, it didn't all go smoothly, did it? No, I mean, he was, um, some of the, I mean, we were watching him, the commitment he had, he was almost like he was setting off at a prologue time trial, it was shades of a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, he, um, it looked like he, it was a few slow-mos of him dodging manhole covers and things at 60 kilometres hour, which is the tree speed he was travelling at. It, it looked like he almost overcooked a couple of corners he as did. well. He was, he was fully he was committed today. Yeah, fully motoring. And um, I don't know if he hit a manhole cover with his back wheel and the wheel slightly broke a bit. There was a feathering of the brake trying to release the cable off just so, the, the, so he's obviously rubbing. Um, and I, he obviously had a pinch as well on the on the tyre and had a slow puncher and, and that started going down and we got saw a very swift change. Fortunately, it happened in the last couple of K and we wondered at that point whether it was going to be enough to win the stage, you know, with Cavagna was expected to do a good time trial, but then he came a cropper. Didn't um, he just, yeah. And he finished 10 seconds down, was it? Something like that? So 12 seconds, 12 seconds down, seconds he down on and the you day. sort of wonder then, we're left wondering what might have been for him, but it's all part of it and Ghana had misfortune as well, so... It was, it was actually the, the, it, it, the spectacular end of the time trial came at the start with all those guys going off and we didn't get much because of the time gaps towards the GC guys, not not like last year anyway, but um, Bernal was, you know, scrupulous, wasn't he? And um, he just brought it home perfectly, did what he had to do. It's worth a mention for Matteo Sobrero at Astana who came in fourth today, 14 seconds, one second behind Eduardo Affini, uh, Jumbo Visma. Sobrero was his... his Final few hundred meters were hijacked by the FDJ car. Yeah, um, it's worth actually hearing Rob Hatch's reaction to that. Wow, 
Well, this is interesting. Yeah, they should Chaos be getting right out of the way. The they should mm. be getting out of the way. That's not right. Oh, not... round. Oh, my word. And he's there going for the win. Oh, I know it's not easy to get right sometimes, but that's a disaster, isn't it? I mean, realistically, he wasn't going to take it anyway, as you were just explaining, but coming very, very close. And the time's ticking on inside the final few hundred metres here. Likelihood he might have just pipped Cavagna for second, I think, but, well, not a great moment to show off the Italia to the world as much as you and I profess our love for it every day. That was pretty poor. That's awful because if you look at the distance between him and second place Cavagna, mm. you know, he's fourth provisionally, but he's only 1.74 seconds behind second. So, yeah, I mean, that's not what you want to see. And they should have been getting out of the way. They should have been told by the uh, commissaires out en route that they needed to pull over before it got to that twisty, turny final few hundred metres. Yeah, it's difficult for the drivers as well. It's actually very, almost too easy to blame the drivers there because they were almost in a, a place where they couldn't go anywhere, but not great. Sobrero being, as we just heard Rob describe there, Brad, Sobrero being um, almost taken off the road by the FDJ car. Yeah. Um, a, a really unusual and, and uh, a, a, well, I suppose a sort of spectacular cock-up, really, in terms of race organisation because the, the cars shouldn't be on the course by then, right? They should no. Be, but... They should be off on that final technical... Yes, maybe, but also there was, I think he was, Sobrero was catching an FDJ rider and another one at the same time. So it was three riders together, three cars were coming into the narrowest part of it. And, and those things happen in time trials. I think if he'd spent less time gesticulating to the FDJ car and just got on with it, you've got to be planned for every eventuality, as I said yesterday. Anything can happen in these time trials. It's not over. He was never going to challenge for the stage, but he would certainly have got second, third on the stage, wouldn't he? I mean, he would have moved up certainly a place, but... Um, it's one of those things, and, and, and it's unfortunate, but um, he obviously wanted to take the race line and the, because they were being caught. I don't know if it's the fault of the person in the car or, yeah, as we say, the race organisation, the commissars that are on the out motorbikes that, that are there to, to police the traffic, as it were, that we're, we're getting, when you're getting sort of caught up and caught catching riders. But it's one of those things that happen. That, that sort of stuff happens a lot within the thing. We just don't see it on the TV, and we, we, we were fortunate enough to see that one today. I think... We saw Bahrain victorious with with a, a people carrier out there because you, you you had each team was stretched so thinly because they had so many riders bunched together that they didn't have enough cars or staff to go around. And Sean Kelly said on commentary, in fact, today, sometimes you get a, a lot of cowboys in these situations, was how he phrased it, actually driving the, the vehicles on the course. Yeah, um, because you know, what you have, you've got the, the, the GC, because the start was sort of 30 kilometres away from the finish. So you haven't got the benefit of starting and finishing in the same place. You've got the, the buses at the start. Um, you'll have a smaller camper or the team personnel at the finish with a rucksack with their clothing that they're pre-prepared. And you'll have, you, you know, for the eight riders or seven or six, depending on how many you've left in that squad, you've obviously got the main DS and the second DS with their team cars that will follow the second and, third, second and first on GC for the team off in the latter stages. And the because of the time constraints, it's you couldn't have a, G, a, a director sportif driving following someone else in the race and then come back 30 kilometres, which is probably more because of the deviation you know, a good, a good 45 minute drive back to the start to make the starts for the next rider. So, and risk getting caught up in traffic and all sorts and missing their rider go off. So you quite often, that every rider will, you know, you'll have Swanier's mucking in, you know, people like getting in a normal car, basically. We saw some unmarked cars on the course. Some cases, some teams have to hire another vehicle um, to have a Swanier in. So they're not used to driving in behind time trials. And this is probably what happened with this. It would find it would be in a Swanier or, a, or another mechanic driving the car just because of logistics and staff members and that and that sort of you get situations like that when they're not used to not knowing what to do because they're never in that position. Mm. 
try and explain the Cavagna incident to us as well. What his thought process? Because he said in his post-stage interview that he just forgot about that last turn. I mean, we were, we were watching it together, yeah. um, and we both said it was like he didn't know the corner was was that tight. He he massively overcooked it. Yeah, I wonder if he'd seen the course before. I mean, I imagine he would have seen the majority of the course. Very rare that you get to see the finish when it's all buried because the only time to see that, obviously finishing a mountain stage yesterday, the time constraints is this morning and, and the logistics of getting out, driving the whole course. Sometimes they haven't buried the whole course so you can't see the finish. The centre of the town is closed down for the barrier and so you can't drive or ride through. So you normally would only see to the end of the first 20k and then turn around and can't drive back out to the start. Yeah, I can only suspect that's what's happened because he didn't even attempt to take the race line into that corner. And I think he just got the the, the, the trajectory of it wrong and thought that it was more of a sweeper um, mm. and, and really just messed it up horribly. Yeah. Um, and it probably cost him the stage or come very close to... We will never know. Finishing, um, yeah, finishing a, a handful of seconds behind. Um, yeah, he, he said he just completely forgot about it. I mean, is, is that a, an indicator of just how fatigued he might have been? Maybe. Um, I would imagine he'd have had radio comms with the person behind him, but, you know, the, the, the lead director, Bramati, would have probably been off behind Almeida, mm. further back, so Cavani would have probably had an inexperienced personnel in the car behind. He may not have had a radio because of the, again, because logistics are just trying to get bodies in and someone who's used to following a ride in the time trial, giving him clear and concise uh, information because that sort of thing, you'd go, okay, you've got 300 metres, you've got that left-hander sharp, you know, caution, things like that. And it, clearly he had nothing of that. And he probably had to do a lot of that reconnaissance in his head himself. And him forgetting it, it's not really for him to forget. It's for your person behind to tell you that corner's coming up. Mm. Much and like a rally driver, co-driver. And a lot of love from from you for Filippo Ganna today. Phenomenal. I mean, so you were saying on commentary, he reminds you of, of two of your great heroes yeah. on the bike. Injurain and Cancellara. He's like an amalgamation of the two and... Um, He's just uh, aesthetically beautiful on the bike and the power he produces. He's a freak of nature from that point of view. Um, I mean, he averaged just short of 54 kilometers an hour with a bike change and mm. all the corners and this, that, and the other. I mean, that, that shows to, so to be to average that kind of speed with a stop and a start, um, he's traveling in excess of 60 kilometers an hour for, for the majority of the bulk of the ride. He's got quite a schedule now this summer. So just looking forward, he's going for the individual time trial on the road in Japan. And then he's looking forward to the team pursuit too. We talked a little bit about this earlier. Is he packing too much in, or do you think do you think a man of his quality? Because he was he took some time to um, to practice on the track before the Tour de Romandie, mm. um, and that well, arguably impacted him. I think if there's anyone who could do it, it him, yeah, and um, I've no qualms about him pulling that off either. He's a phenomenal athlete, and you know it's a part of expanding your repertoire and. You're pushing the envelope out and achieving multiple gold medals and success. It's that's what the, at the end of the day is. I mean, he's won the last. Well, he's now the record holder, isn't he? Five consecutive stage wins in the Giro time trial stage wins. So he's on the verge of greatness anyway, and he will go down as one of the greats. But yeah, I mean, be great at something. You've got to you've got to do something you've never done before, and I think that's what you know. It's what every great athlete does. So I, you know, he's someone who could do it. Yeah, it would be quite the year for him going from the the Giro in the autumn. Yeah. Um, if you follow through to this year's autumn. But the 28th of July is the, the time trial on the road at the Olympics. And then you've got the team pursuit on the 2nd. Well, the heats begin on the yeah. 2nd of August. Yeah. Just track that back to 2012 for me and your experience going from yeah. 
obviously the tour to the Olympics, you could have ended up doing the track as well. Yeah, you? I wouldn't know this till afterwards, but they had my name down. I was um, to potentially step into the team pursuit because they were during the Tour de France and um, um, the end of the Tour de France. Geraint Thomas got food poisoning in the holding camp in Newport. And there was, I never knew about this. They didn't want to distract me from the, the road race and the time trial. But there was a, there became a cutoff point where they had to decide whether to put me in or not. And I, didn't, I knew nothing about this at this point. Um, but there was a chance I could have ridden the team pursuit and doubled up. Um, and obviously the decision came, Geraint came good. But I think it was getting to the point where another day and they would have had to have called someone else in um, because he was a, a bit off the, off the boil with um, food poisoning from Newport. Unbelievable how close you might have come to winning, the a, thing, winning a sixth gold medal. Yeah, yeah. But um, whether, whether I'd have performed or not, I don't know. I think I'd have been okay. You don't think it would have been just a step too far? Well, I hadn't been on the track for over a year by that point, but it would have been tough, but I think they would have had confidence in me to do that. And I think at that stage, you know, everything I touched turned to gold, so I think I'd have been all right. Quite literally to gold. I mean, you have to dial yourself back in, though, even with the even with today's time trial, when mm. you haven't been on a time trial bike for three weeks, yes. you've, you've got to dial your position back in. Yeah, but I, I always came quite natural to me, and I think that was one of my great strengths, is that I had um, I had a very adaptable body. To, to, to I always felt more at home on the time trial pursuit bikes than, than any other. Just give us a mention for Simon Yates as well, rounding out the podium. He, he did well great today. great ride. I mean, look, we've got a Brit on the podium at Giro d'Italia, and it, it's gone sort of quiet a little bit, hasn't it? Because... It's just normal behaviour so, now. We're yeah. sort of so used to it, but uh, it's his second Grand Tour podium. He's won the Vuelta. He came close to winning this a few... I say he came close. He capitulated in the last week, but he was looking like every bit of Tour champion, wasn't he? Um, and now he's finished third in the Giro and won a stage. I think that's... A, that's a, I don't think... I think we should take a huge congratulations to Simon and Matt White and the team for that because he's rode... He's rode really well. He's had some bad days, but he's had some great days and he's shown a real mature head, Simon, and I think he's going to leap on from this and do some great things. Huge congratulations to Simon Yates, to Egan Bernal, um, and to Damiano Caruso Brilliant. to finishing second. Good old Damian, yeah, fantastic. I think there's not a person in cycling who's not pleased for him. Excellent. We'll be back with more from the Bradley Wiggins Show after this. Zwift is the world's training playground, Brad, where fun takes you further, recreating the outdoor feel of riding on an indoor trainer. Something you can get on board with, I think. It does, yeah. And Zwift have done it very well. And they're now the leaders, aren't they, in that world? And um, they've got the likes of Geraint Thomas on board. And, you know, you can't get... Your old mate, yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, they, they got, did some involvement with Team Wiggins a few years ago. We joined in one of their shops, Pinarello shop um, races one night and... My son uses it. I watch him during the winter months. Um, it's something I wish I'd had when I was 15, definitely just to, from, a, from a safety point of view when you didn't want to let your kids out on the road in the dark. And, and anyone can use it. So, it, you know, you don't, yeah. have to be, you don't have to be G, you don't have to be a pro. You can train with thousands of, of real train, people. Yeah. Like, you can train with anyone. You can ride with anyone um, from the world of pro cycling or from your workplace or school, whatever age you are. Brad, like you say, most of the pros on the World Tour train on Swift. Yeah, hop on anytime, heart pumping, intense cycling, join group rides, events and worldwide races. Um, Zwift has nine worlds too, including the stunning Paris and France maps. They've recreated Tour de France stages, um, which gives everyone a chance to experience them. You don't have to have yeah. been Bradley Wiggins to experience what it's no, like to ride at the Tour de France. Uh, you can hit your kilometres with virtual dinosaurs, raging waterfalls, you can be inside a volcano, uh, James Bond-esque, a wide open California desert, plus you can tour London landmarks. All you need is a bike, trainer and Zwift app. Uh, you can get a free seven-day trial, Brad, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. 
Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show. Brad, we saw Bernie Eisel, our man on the ground in Italy, catch yes. up with Dave B immediately after the stage. Mm. He's, he, he pops up when he wants, doesn't he? When they win. When they win. <laughs> well, look, let's, let's hear from him first. Here's Bernie talking to Dave Brailsford. So, Dave, yeah. tell us, you must be really, really proud of your boys again yeah. after yeah. such a hard race. Uh, thrilled, absolutely delighted. I think um, the way the race panned out, you know, Egan obviously went aggressive to start with and the critical stage there in, uh, in Tuscany where Filippo drove into the, into, the, into, the, uh, into, the, into the gravel was just amazing. And then what I really liked about this victory was after the second rest day, it was all a question of how strong's the team and can you actually stay calm in your mind and strategize and really not get caught in that impulsive go with the opposition and measure your resources across to winning the race. And they did that beautifully. And I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of it. What do you think when Egan had his hard moment in this Jira when well, he every, lost I've time? never seen, you know, I think this is a 12th, 13th, 12th or something Grand Tour we won now and every single one, there's a moment where the winner always suffers. And it's how you manage that that's important. And if you can, if you overmanage, you know, you respond too much to it, you go downhill, as you well know. You know, got to stay calm. And then those real moments like yesterday, you know, and you knew, like logically, when Caruso went, if they chase properly, stay together as a group, don't interact quickly, that they're going to manage the situation. But to do that as a young guy, when the second guy's going up the road, that takes some real, real maturity. And thanks to the guys like Castro and all those guys who talk to them consistently. You know, it's really good. And what I really liked about this race is like Egan started it with a bang, you know, and then, but the team finished it off and every single one of the riders, it feels like a very much a team victory, this one, which is just fantastic. So you're just going to go on now to the tour. And yeah, my question, question is, is Egan going to the tour? I doubt it. I doubt it, to be honest. I think at a minute we've got our tour team uh, obviously riding today in Dauphiné, go over to Dauphiné tonight and uh, check out how, how the guys are there. And um, we'll sit down and look at the situation after Dauphiné and Swiss choose the team uh, we've got our strategy for the tour but we want to enjoy it you know we said we we're going to come out this time last year in fact we said we were going to enjoy racing it was all about putting a smile back on Egan's face putting a smile back on everybody's face and of course you suffer in this sport and it's difficult moments but ultimately we love racing and and we brought that back into our kind of team this year and, and I think that effervescence of it all is just paying dividends we're just loving it we're loving life Brad, what do you take from that? Dave B saying, look, we're putting smiles back on our faces. Um, he's obviously very happy with the way they executed it today. Mm. Um, and he was obviously asked there as well, is is Egan going to feature in their tour plans? There was a slight contradiction in, in what he was saying. I think he was. I, I think the nature of Bernie being an ex-rider, I think Bernie was quite, he got a little bit out of him, didn't he, really? Um, are we likely to see Bernie out at the tour? He said, um, I doubt it at this stage. That's not a no. That's not a no. So there's been thought processed about that. Yeah. Um, but then he said, we've got our tour squad starting the Dauphiné. We've got a strategy for the tour. And we'll see how the guys are there. And then we'll pick the team. So they haven't got a tour squad per se. They're going to pick the team after that. Yeah. So, so there is room for manoeuvre. Um, and Dave's good at that anyway. Listen, Dave's the best at this now, isn't he? It's not, nothing's a given. Things change. Burnout's made a huge statement here. They'll talk to Geraint. There'll be discussions. I mean... This is what it's like, you know, there's, they have a plan, but then they're willing to change the plan if need be. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Bernal might want to put his hand up now and say, I'd want to do Giro Tour double. Um, and normally those sort of plans are made at the start of the season, aren't they? And, and Bernal mm. coming here with question marks over his form and whether he could ever get back to the heights of before. I mean, it's almost taken the pressure off of that Tour Giro double. And I think it's 
it looks like he's finished the race stronger than when he started. Definitely, and it, if someone could do it, him. But it's definitely a good position to be in. It's a bad. It's a good problem to have. Mm. Um, but again, yeah, I think that um, it was quite telling that that I doubt it at this stage. But um, it's um, it shows that there's a thought process or that they're open to changing that plan. Uh, another Colombian, impressive. Uh, we raved about him, or you raved about him yesterday uh, on the pod. Danny Martinez finishing fifth overall. More than capable, we think, of, of winning a GC himself. Yeah. Um, and what a, another great problem to have, isn't it? Another guy who's in any other team would be the team leader. Mm. Um, fifth on GC. That's quite something, isn't it? And a, again, a good problem to have, but he's been a, a, revel- I say been a revelation because he won a stage of the Tour last year. He's won the Dauphiné, but um, he's been the biggest ally in the mountains to, to Egan Bernal. And um, it was a great ride from him. Another Colombian. Mm. Um, do, sure. do we think he might be given his his chance? I know we've we've sort of come into this season thinking that Adam Yates will be given his chance at the at the Welter. Do we think that could be we we could be looking at Martinez as a co leader there? I think that definitely at this stage, yes. Um, bearing in mind, Siakov was given the team joint team leadership at the start mm. of this race, which seems ludicrous now when you look back because Bernal is now you know it's a different machine, isn't he, to what he was at the start? He's really grown as a person, grown as an athlete. He looks. You know, twice the ride he was two years ago when he won the tour, and and a, and a complete contrast to the man we saw, you know, falling away in the mountains of the tour last year. So, um, but I think, look, it's a long way to the start of the Vuelta. Lots can happen between now and then, and um, it's going to be decided on whether Bernal, yes, wants to go for the Vuelta. Is he going to do the tour? You know, because if Bernal wants to win the Vuelta now, you'd you'd say he'd be the team leader, and Adam mm. Yates won't get that opportunity again there. So, mm. and then Martinez comes down the pecking order of those two. I would say at this stage. And then you don't know what's going to happen at the tour. If you, get, you get an early, you get an yeah. early casualty, and you, but you can recover in time for the Vuelta. You've got Carapaz, you've got Grind. I mean, it's just they've just they're, they're littered with with champions, aren't they? Mm. You mentioned Martinez winning the Dauphiné last year. Dauphiné began today an eight stage race this time, as opposed yeah. to five stages that we saw a shortened version because of. Uh, the pandemic last year. We saw a breakaway win for Brent Van Moor, Lotto Soudal. The peloton misjudged it badly today. Um, but we've still seen Froome and G and Teo finish very comfortably yeah. in the bunch. Um, Ineos, they've gone in with a super squad. I mean, they go in with a super squad to, to any given stage race they've nowadays. They've got in their Catal- but Catalonia squad, basically, haven't they? Thomas, Teo, uh, Richie Port, uh, Andre Amador, Rodriguez, Kwiatkowski and Van Baal make Some up that team. Up, isn't it? Yeah. And Some then you've got up. Rowan Dennis as well, yeah. still to come possibly yeah. for the Tour de France, we think. What do you make of what do you make of the, the face off that we're likely to see this week between Ineos and Yumbo Visma? Yumbo Yumbo Visma don't have Rolich. He's they don't have riding, Roglic, he? yeah. He's no. not riding until the tour. But they do have Sepkus, Jonas Vinegard, um, and Stephen Kreisvik. I don't think any of them are going to challenge this Ineos squad. I think that squad is going to do what it did at the Catalonia. I wouldn't be surprised they go one and two. They're going to be formidable. Teo and G. Teo and G or Richie. Yeah. I never you know, never underestimate Richie Port. I can see Geraint winning this and um, stepping up again from the Rock to a Romedy. Geraint is looking every bit the champion that he is. Um, and I think he's well on track now to win his second Tour de France. And I've just got this feeling he's going to be invincible and he's going to win this. Much like when I won, you know, Dauphiné and, mm. of course, Romedy before it. And there's just something about Geraint this year that's, you know, another, another, another level. Um, I'd love to see him do it. Um, he's um, he's great to watch, and I can see Ineos just and and when he's in that sort of shape and form, he's in, he's inspirational to the rest of the people around him. And I I can't see anyone from that Jumbo Visma squad even getting remotely near that squad this week. 
It's, it's a race you know well, the Dauphiné. How important is it as a marker? For, obviously, you find out a lot about your form. Yeah. But to, to, carry, to carry it through from having, say, a top five, a top ten at the Dauphiné, a podium at the Dauphiné, into the Tour, what does that give you? Well, it's a mini Tour de France. Yeah. And it's a very, very similar pattern. You're in France, you're in the hotels, you're in, you know, it's... Um, it's, it's, it's the big warm-up race to the Tour de France. You have a lot of your rivals. A lot of, it's, it's, we sort of switch now from Giro d'Italia into, into Tour de France mode. And it's, it's the first sort of signs of where everyone's at for the Tour, good or bad, because obviously some people are coming off heavy blocks of training and they're not going to be at their best shape in the Tour, in the Dauphiné. But we're close enough to get some good idea mm. as to who's going to feature in the Tour. What's Roglic's thinking, do we think? So he's at a high-altitude uh, training camp. As opposed, I'm not to... sure with that, you know. I mean, he's crashed last year; might have something to do with it. He crashed in the Dauphiné, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. I just think he's been on it for, for since the start of the year. He, you know, he was looking set to win the the Paris Nice until he's crashed on the descent there into in the last stage. You know, he won the Basque Country. He's just he's formidable over a one week stage race, isn't he? And um, I think they're just going to try something different this year, and that might be off of last year and losing the race. He might feel like his falling away, his form last year in the tour was due to, you know, the, the heavy program he'd had before it because of the, the, the uniqueness of the year with the pandemic. Mm. But he's not someone, he's someone who could, you know, he's got a mindset who could train harder than he races sometimes. So I don't think there's any question that it's a bad thing. I think this, I think we're probably going to see a different version of Rolich at the tour and a more confident, more fresh, mm. mentally fresh person. And that is probably off of the back of losing the race last year. I quite like that we've got several little build-up races like the Tour of Slovenia, which Tadej Pogacar is doing. Yeah. He's doing his home race. We've got Roglic doing his, his own training block and then we've got Julian Alaphilippe doing the Tour de Suisse. Yeah. Um, so, so you've got to wait until they all come together at the Tour, yeah. um, which we hope we will see fireworks from the we off. We will. I think it's going to be a great Tour this year. It's back in its normal slot. A hypothetical one for you. If Roglic was at this Giro, would Bernal have won it? Yes. I think Bernal would have still won it. I think the Ineos squad would have still trumped that Jumbo Visma squad. I, I think Roglic on his own is, is an immense athlete. He'd have lacked time trial time to do it, so he'd have only had till today, but I think Bernal would have... Um, Bernal, Martinez, the same guys we've seen. I, I think Roglic would have Rolich would have struggled and get isolated by teammates. This year. I don't think they're going to be the Jumbo Visma squad we saw last year. Mm. That might be their last chance to win that. What bigger chance to win it last year when they did? Because that squad was in, in scrupulous last year. But um, I'd, I'd think Bernal still would have won this title. He looks he looks so impressed by him this week. Chris Froome back at the Dauphiné yes. as well. So we weren't sure whether or not he would ride. Um, but he's he's prepping. He says if all goes well for a crack at the Tour. So if he failed to make an impact at Raymond, he failed to make an impact at the Tour of the Alps. Um, but he, I mean, he said to, to Rye, the Italian broadcaster, that he's feeling better every week in his trailing. Yeah, he is. I mean, you've got to remember what he's coming back from. Mm. Two years ago this week, I think, from the Dauphiné when he crashed, isn't yep. it? I mean, it was a hell of a crash. And people underestimate just what, what you know, this guy was, you know, I don't know how close to death he was, but it was he was in intensive care, wasn't he? He was. It was, you know, and, and I would never underestimate Chris. You know, I've known him very well. He's very, very unique. and He's a very special athlete and he's... um. Is not I've never seen anyone else like him, um, and he's a hard worker. He's got good people around him, and um, he's in a new squad. And I think it's took time to adjust to that new squad. It's obviously not going to be to the standard that Ineos have set. Um, and Chris has, you know, obviously come in and, and and trying to implement a lot of things that Ineos do to that he, he realizes helps him. But I think he's also happy there again now yeah. and feel a lot more at home. And it's a bit less cutthroat. But I think it, you know I think Chris deserves a good Tour de France this year. Him. And his family more than anything, really. 
it's not about anyone else. Um, so it'd be great to see him back. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge Chris's form at the Dauphiné here as to a reflective of how he's going to do at the Tour. Mm. I think the Tour, you know, Chris shines at the Tour and he doesn't need to be, you know, show his form beforehand. He's, um, I think Sherry Prudham, who's been on the sofa for us this week for GCN and Eurosport, obviously ISN, uh, DS, she was saying that just by having his, his, his mere presence his as presence part of the squad is, enough. is a huge and the boost to everybody. Tour de needs his presence. He's yeah. a big name. And, um, Whatever happens, you know, I think let's not forget that Chris Froome back at the Tour de France after two years, what happened two years ago, is is in, in itself something to be celebrated. Yeah. Well, we look forward to that. We look forward to seeing how Froome does this week. You can catch the Dauphiné on Eurosport and GCN Plus uh, until next weekend. Uh, for now, though, Brad, that yes, brings us to the it. end. If that is a wrap, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast. So, Wigo, we can follow you and. on social media as ever. You can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Three weeks of Pete Burton producing. Yep. Thank you, Pete. It's been, I couldn't do it without you all. Not only producing every single podcast over the course of the Giro, but heavily involved with much of what we've seen on the screens too. Works as, works as hard as any rider, they say. Finally from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye if you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us. Brad, until the tour, where you're back on the bike. Yes, we'll see. Wait. We'll see you then, yeah, looking see forward to it. Goodbye, thanks for listening everyone. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com